morning. Welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. We are now using Linktree. This allows us to connect to all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms all in one place. When you scan the QR code, which is located in the worship guide, which I did not pick up this morning, sorry, um, with your phone's camera, you get a short link. When clicked, navigates to a web page with a list of every link that you would need concerning our church. If you are a guest today, welcome. We ask that you scan the QR code and click on the link provided for at TVCHSV. Then cl- click on the menu item for first-time guests. Reminder this morning, the nursery is open today. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offerings is an act of worship. You may give to the vision and mission of the church by scanning the QR link tree code and using the menu item entitled TVC Giving. This will direct you to the link on our webpage, or you may mail a check to our address, 2103 Virginia Boulevard, Huntsville, Alabama, 35811. Or after the service, you may drop your offering off in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. After our worship service today, Enter the Village classes for students and adults will meet from 10.50 a.m. until noon in the Annex. On May 29th, we will welcome Reverend Bill Nash to our pulpit. There will be no Enter the Village classes scheduled day. that day. There will be a meeting after the service for all the women at the Village Church, so please attend, ladies. This meeting will provide the opportunity to get to know women's ministry at the Village speak into how the women's ministry is formed, and hear opportunities to get involved and use your gifts and talents. May 30th, the church office will be closed for Memorial Day. There will be a congregational meeting on June 19th after the worship service for the purpose of discussing the role of women's shepherds. Thank you and good morning. Bye-bye. 
want to thank the two dozen plus folks that came out to the work day yesterday at Lincoln Village. We had a great time on short notice. It worked out great. Everybody looks cleaned up. There's some real mustaches out there this morning, it looks like. Anyway, thank you all for showing up, and we're going to be another one scheduled here in the near future. Thanks to DeMarco and Dennis for organizing that and um, making the way forward on that. It was a good time had by all, so thank you again for that. Join with me now in a prayer of praise. Father, thank you that we can come together as your people, a family that you've called together in this place at this time on your day of worship. As we gather together, help us with our heads and our hearts, Father, to truly worship you, to want to encourage each other, to give you praise, to really be thankful for you, Father. We bless you because you have blessed us. Uh, thank you for your creative power in creating the universe and creating us in your image and giving us a purpose on earth and then to redeem us as we failed through Adam, to send your son to be that perfect sacrifice for us, to take away our sins, to take our place for what we deserve. Thank you that he not only died for our sins, but he rose again the third day, securing our resurrection, securing the hope that we have in you. So thank you for your mercies to us. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. Thank you that you do not leave us nor forsake us. You're with us always. Help us remember that. Uh, Father, thank you again for yesterday, for the work day, for adults, kids that came to help there in that ministry. Thank you for safety there, for no one was injured permanently. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, thank you for um, the, the village class that's going on for the new folks that are interested in the village church. Uh, thank you for all the village kids and first step kids that will be graduating today and moving on. Uh, thank you, Father, for your mercies to us as a congregation. Uh, Father, we pray for those hurting in the world today, for refugees uh, trying to get into the country, for the war in Ukraine. We pray for peace to be brought there to bring your resolution and peace to that country. Uh, the suffering going on there, be with the church there, your people, Father, as they seek to uh, glorify you in the midst of a difficult situation where they can't understand that. Be with them, encourage them. I encourage our leaders um, that you placed over us, Father. You told us to pray for them. With the election coming up Tuesday, I just pray that you would give us wisdom as we make choices. Um, we pray that you would give us wisdom in that arena, Father, to learn how to best support our government and to encourage them to follow you, to turn to you, Father, for wisdom. Father, thank you for this time together. Uh, thank you that we can come together and praise you, worship you, magnify your name, encourage each other, hear your word, and be encouraged to go forward this week, another week, trusting you for all your goodness to us. We give thanks for all these things with, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our confession of faith this morning is from the Westminster Confession, Shorter Catechism, question 11. If you look at the screen, you'll read the correct version of the answer. 
What are God's works of providence? His most holy, wise, and powerful acts, governing all his creatures and all of their actions. Amen. Not the very hairs of our head are numbered. Remember that. We're more valued than the sparrows. Praise God for that. Amen. Well, good morning, saints. Our scripture reading today is from Psalm 127, uh, verses 1 and 2, and also 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 58. So if you have your smartphone or if you have uh, your Bible, please locate those two verses. I'll give you a moment. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, and 1 Corinthians 15, 58. So we're going to do something different today. I'm going to have you all stand when I read the word. I, I, I tell you, not yet. Not yet. I'm giving more instructions. More instructions. And when I'm finished reading the word, I'm going to say, this is the word of God. And you're going to say, thanks be to God. All right. So will you please stand, saints, for the reading of God's word, if you are able. Here's the word of the Lord from, first, from Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toll, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And now 1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
come forward. And this is for our kids who are moving up. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Williams. I have the privilege of serving as nursery director here at the Village Church. Welcome to our first annual Promotion Sunday. All right. As Pastor Alex said, today Mary Lindblom and I will be recognizing from each of our groups First Steps and the Village Kid that will be moving up in the fall. The age group for my First Step kids typically is two years old to pre-K, along with uh, one-year-old and lap babies accompanied with their parents. Um, the children that we'll be honoring today will be our first two graduates from the First Steps program that will be moving up is Lorelai Sears and Hank Lindblom. <laughs> It's a joy. Um, it's been a joy to see both of our uh, graduates grow up. What? Really? Okay. All right. So uh, for Lorelai, I have a little story about her. I can remember meeting the Spears family for the first time, and Laura, little Lorelai was just an adorable toddler with a huge smile that would light up a room. She would come into the nursery and play quietly that we would almost forget that she was there. It has been enjoyable to see her bloom into almost a kindergartner. Um, congratulations, Lorelai. She's not here, but I'll hold her certificate until um, the end. Our next graduate is Hank Limbloom. <laughs> Limbloom. I remember Hank as a baby, and the next thing I knew, I couldn't recognize Hank. He had grown into a handsome young man. He definitely wasn't that cute, round baby I remembered from the nursery. <laughs> the fondest memory I have of Hank was just recently when he told his mom and dad that he loved his class. That really did my heart good, Hank. Just when I needed to hear it, perfect timing. Thank you. So congratulations, Hank, on moving up to the Village Kids. Would you come receive your certificate? Okay, we'll hold his certificate, too. All right, God bless them both. Thank you. Tiffany. You're amazing. Thank you for blessing my children so much. <laughs> really, truly. Um, I'm Mary, and am I supposed to stand here? Man, I feel really short. Um, it really is. Now my tiptoes. Um, I'm Mary Lindblom. I am the organizer for Village Kids, and the ages for Village Kids, um, well, we meet Fall, we have a few terms, so fall, winter, spring, um, and it's ages about 5 to 11, and we're all in one class, and it is a wide age range, but I feel like, I don't know, we all get along pretty well, don't we guys? Kind of, yeah, I mean, we have some fun, and it's been, it's been a really, it's been a real honor to get to know 
the kids and to see them get to know each other. Um, anyway, so our graduates, I'm looking at them, and her. They're from the same family. So Joey McClure and Josh McClure, if you would like to come up, or you could stand up and just do like a wave so everyone can see your awesome faces. You can come up. Yay, they came up. Yay. Hi, guys. Okay, so I'm so glad they came up. These, okay, so this is Joey and this is, jo- this is Josh. I'm going to start with Josh because he's older by just a few months. Sorry, Joey. Um, Josh is, he's been so much fun getting to know this year. He is one of the friendliest kids in our group, and he doesn't seem like he needs a stranger. He can talk about football. He can talk about baseball. He can talk about art. He can talk, uh, he's just an amazing kid, an amazing personality, and I'm so glad you were in our class. I mean, you just light up the room when you're there. And I know in youth, you're going to do the same thing. I can't believe I'm even saying that. You're going to youth. That's crazy. Um, And I have a bag for you. Hold on. got sister joey she's amazing too of course she is i don't know how she is at home but in our class she's very quiet and sweet i know i knew you guys would laugh parents will you please wave there we go and they're they're cackling right now um but joey again an amazing personality she she may be quiet in class but she has some insights when we do discussions that just blow me away. Um, and she, it's, it really is amazing. Uh, I love to hear her questions and her discussions. And she is so friendly with everyone there. And it was just, again, just a joy and a privilege to have you in our class. I'm, I'm sad for us, but I'm so happy for you. They're getting such good people in their class. So, anyway, this is Joey. Pastor Alex. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Tiffany, uh, for that. And I want all the, our kids and youth to know that Village Church is your church as well. And I'm your pastor as well. It's not just a church for, for the grown-ups, but it's your church. And so... I'm so happy for all the kids who are involved with our ministry and definitely for those who have moved up. So I'm going to pray for uh, the students that have moved up and also pray for our ministry to our students in general. So let us go to the Lord. Father, thank you for Hank and Lorelai and Joey and Josh that they're moving up to village kids and to youth. I thank you for their gifts. I thank you for creating them in your image. And I pray that you, you will use them and their gifts as they move up to, to the next grade level. And I do also just pray for the rest of the, our babies who, who are in the nursery, who are in village kids, who are in youth. I pray blessings over them. I pray that each of these babies will know that you love them, that they will really know that. 
I pray that they will really know that that Christ loves them and that he died on the cross so they can have a relationship with you. And so I pray that everything that we're doing and what their parents are doing is just pouring Jesus into them. And my prayer that every kid here, and my kids included, will come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. That they will come to faith and, and, and know that God really loves me and, and he likes me. Not just loves me, but he likes me. So Holy Spirit, Jesus never turned away the kids. He says, bring, let them come to me. He wants the little kids to come to him. He wants them to come to know him. And I pray, Father, for all the kids of this church, that they will all come to faith in Jesus. And that when they go out and go to college or whatever they're going to do after this, they will know how to be part of a body of Christ. They will know what it looks like to, to be part of a church. And that you will use them to further and to advance your kingdom. And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Well, if you have your Bible, saints, um, turn it to Psalm 127. And also you need to put a, a mark by First uh, Corinthians 15, 58, because we're going to be looking at that passage as well. On February the 1st, uh, 2021, a, a pastor in, in St. Louis uh, wrote these words in, in, in a blog post. He, he says, as Americans, we're, uh, we're obsessed with being busy. Even during a pandemic, we're preoccupied with how much we're getting done. Our culture, it, 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 fit, it fixates and rewards efficiency and productivity, even at the expense of our own health and relationships. It's even how we talk to one another. People always ask, what are you doing this week? Or, have you had a busy week? I've never once been asked, did you get nine hours of sleep last night? <laughs> or, did you get enough va vacation this year? The reality of life is that we're busy, we're tired, and we simply don't get enough rest. This pastor is spot on with his assessment of Americans. He is. Rest and work are out of rhythm in most of our lives. And the same can be said of Christians as well. See, if you have saving faith in Jesus, then, then please know you're not beyond of being out of rhythm when it comes to rest and work in your life. Christians struggle to find balance between the two. It's true for all of you. It's true for myself. It's true for those who may be tuning in online. Think about it like this. Rest and work. They're individual hip-hop dancers who have to learn to dance together in rhythm. They have to learn to be good dance partners in your life. And today's sermon will hopefully show you all a way that they can be good dance partners with one another. This is seen in first. This is seen in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, and 1 Corinthians 15, 58. The title of this sermon is The Rhythm of Rest and Work. And my main point is this. Trusting in the Lord helps Christians create rhythms between rest and work in their life. 
but do y'all believe it? We shall see. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as I pray each week, and as I will always pray, as long as I am the pastor here, I need you to move during the preaching of the word. Preaching has no power apart from you. The pastor, the preacher, does not make preaching powerful. The pastor cannot change hearts. Can't change my own heart, get anybody else's heart. Holy Spirit, that is your lane. My lane is just to be faithful to preaching. Your lane is to take the word and, and apply it to our lives. I can't be everybody's Holy Spirit. That's not my lane. I can be their pastor. I can shepherd them, but I can't be their Holy Spirit. That's your job. That's your lane. So, Holy Spirit, will you function in your lane today faithfully and minister to our minds, minister to our emotions, minister to us holistically? And I pray for all this in Christ's name. Amen. A best-selling American author once says that there is, there is virtue in work and there is virtue in rest. Use both and overlook neither. That is, that is also correct. But as Americans, we have a tendency to use one and to overlook the other. And as I said in the beginning, in our culture, we will use work and we will overlook rest. And when that happens, rest and work will get out of rhythm in your life. So what do y'all think causes it? What causes you to get out of rhythm? Not trusting God causes rest and work to get out of rhythm in your life. Now, unless you give lip service to, I trust the Lord. But do you really trust God on the street level of your life? That's, that's the places where you really live. Do you trust him? Do you trust him in the mundane, the everyday struggle? Do you depend on him to make your work fruitful? Functionally, our answer is no. And that's why work and rest are, are not in rhythm in our life. And that's why some of us overwork and we overlook rest. And some of you are lazy and you just don't work at all. I have two questions for the kids. And youth, are y'all ready? Nod your heads if you're ready. Now, if you're new to the village church, I'm, I always talk to the kids in my sermons. I always do that, so it may feel weird if you're new here. First question, what is an atheist? A person that's what? Yes, a person who does not believe in any form of God. Doesn't believe that any form of God exists. Second question, what is a functional atheist? Yes, that is a thing. <laughs> a functional atheist is a Christian who lives as if God does not exist in their life. That's a functional atheist. And a well-known pastor puts it this way. He says, I'm concerned with the, the level of functional atheism that exists in the church of Jesus Christ. Yes, we believe that God exists, that he created the heavens and the earth, that the Bible is correct, and that paradise awaits. But we often live at the functional level of life as if there is no God. And we often, at the functional level, live as if there's no God, 
because we don't trust in them. We don't trust in them. We're functional atheists who, who, who end up trusting more in ourselves, our abilities, our resources, our people connections, our knowledge, our education, our privileges, our power. Think about it, young people. You're going off to college so you can be self-sufficient, so you can provide for yourself. That's why you're going to go. You're going to get that great job, and you're going to do this. And sometimes we do all this work realizing maybe I'm trying to not depend on God for all this stuff I'm doing. So we end up stepping out, doing life independently of God, with a Beyonce song as our motto, me, myself, and I. That's all I got in the end. That's what I found out. Ain't no, ain't no need to cry. I took a vow from now on. I'm going to be my own best friend. Me, myself, and I. That is a confession of a functional atheist. And what you're going to find out in the end, that all your work apart from God results in restlessness, fruitlessness, and pointlessness. And rest and work will always be out of rhythm in your life. This is what Psalm 127 verses 1 and 2 illustrates for us. It illustrates how pointless it is to work hard at two basic activities apart from God. The first activity is in verse 1a. The psalmist calls it building a house. And this could be an actual house or it could be a metaphor for your life. I think the house is a metaphor. And the building process illustrates the effort and the work you put in to provide for your life. Provide for your family to provide for your career, to provide for your health, to provide for your education, to provide for your livelihood, to provide for your relationships. Every one of you in this sanctuary put some effort or work into making provisions for every area of your life. Do you not? You do. Each of you labor to provide for your own existence and for your survival. Luther Vandross and one of his songs says, a chair is still a chair, even when there's no one sitting there. But a chair is not a house, and a house is not a home when there's no one there to hold you tight. You see, each of you are building your house of life with the hope that it's going to become a home. You know, you, you know what you want in that home? Comfort, peace, sufficiency, security. That's why you do everything in your life. That's what you're really working for. You say, well, I'm working, I'm working to, to, to give more. No, you're working and doing all the things you do in your life for comfort, peace, sufficiency, security. That's honest. That's why we do what we do. We want to make our house into a home. And guess what happens when you think you have turned it into a home? The second basic human activity happens. And this is found in verse 1b. The, the, the psalmist calls it watching over the city. This is you watching over your life. Well, what do you mean that, Pastor Alex? What, what does that mean? I mean, as you're building your life, you're going to start watching over it because you got to protect everything you just provided. Right? you got to protect that 401K. you got to protect those stocks. You work hard for it, and you'll be like, no one's going to come in and steal it. So I'm providing, now i got to protect it. Got to protect that peace, that sufficiency, that comfort, that security, those privileges, those rights, 
that lifestyle got to protect you. You being a provider and protector of your life are basic human activities. Everyone does that. And there's nothing wrong with working to provide for your life and to protect it. There's nothing sinful about building a good and healthy life. The psalmist doesn't say don't build. He doesn't say don't watch. He doesn't say don't provide or protect. He doesn't say don't work or labor. The issue is you providing and protecting as a functional atheist. That's the issue. The problem is you building and watching without trusting in your God. The red flag is you working and laboring as if God is not involved in your life. And the psalmist says, functioning independently of God is vain for the Christian. Look at verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What does vain mean here? It means all your work apart from God will always lead to fruitlessness, pointlessness, and restlessness. You ain't never going to be satisfied. That's why you had to go build another house. I love the way one Presbyterian pastor puts it, describes vain. He says, we can work like beavers. And we can endeavor to protect our lives and find security in various ways and and in various life situations. And if those things ultimately are not the Lord's doing, one day we're going to look in the mirror and we'll say, what was that all for? It was pointless. It was pointless. Have you ever looked in the mirror and asked yourself, when you're tired and you're weary, what was that all for? Did you say it was pointless? If you've ever been brought to that place, if you've ever been brought to the end of your rope here, you have two options on what you can do next. First, you can just shake it off. You can shake that moment of truth off, and you can see that well, that was just a temporary moment of weakness. Because the functional atheist in you is going to say, your work and labor wasn't pointless. Don't listen to that voice. You just need to work harder. Right. But you just need to be a better parent, a better mom, a better dad, a better child, a better grandson, a better granddaughter, a better sibling. You need to hustle harder. You need to you need to be more and do more. You need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps more. Your grinding needs to be deeper. Every day you have to be the early bird. Why? Because the early bird gets warm. Right. You got to hustle everybody. You have to be number one. And so every day you have to trust in your own abilities and your resources and your knowledge and your privileges. Because remember the motto, me, myself, and I. That's all you got in the end, right, if you're a functional atheist. So you overwork. 60 hours a week, that's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. You're overcommitted. You never can say no to anybody. You say yes to everything, and you're burning out. You're burning the count at both ends. You just putting your head down and pushing through and ignoring fatigue is not wise because fatigue makes fools of us all. You're frustrated. You become anxious. You start worrying about your life because you're tired and you're restless and you have no peace of mind. And sleeping at night becomes a struggle. 
because it's hard getting a good night's sleep when you feel like the world's on your shoulders. You toss and turn all night long, worrying about what ifs. The psalmist says in verse 2, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious coals. Functional atheism will have you eating the bread of anxious coals all your life. It'll have you feeling like a hamster in a wheel. Do you feel like a hamster in a wheel in your life? Spinning, spinning, and spinning, but it never getting anywhere. Do you feel that way? Your house still isn't a home. Still haven't found that comfort, that security, that peace, that significance. It's time to get off the hamster wheel, people. Have you had enough of eating the bread of ancient coals? Have you had enough of sleepless nights? Have you had enough of worrying about your livelihood, your spouse, and your, and your kids, and your career, and your bills, and, and cars, or, or whatever it is that keeps you up at night? Are you tired of it? If the answer is yes, then you're ready for the second move that you can make. So remember, there's two moves available after coming to the realization that all your work apart from God is pointless. Now, the first move is that you can just continue being a functional atheist. And if you haven't realized it, that's not the smart move. It's not helpful. So when you're exhausted, when God brings you to the end of your rope, because guess one day you will come to the end of your rope. One day you're going to hit a wall. You're going to look in that mirror. You're going to ask yourself, is all this worth it? And you're going to say, it's in pointless and restlessness. That realization should move you towards God, not to doing move you towards trusting him. And that's the second move, and that's the right move. Taking proactive steps to actually trust God to be the builder and watcher of your whole life. Think about it. Do you think you have all that you have just because of you? Even the actual atheist benefits from being created in the image of God. If God moved his hand from your life, you would just disappear. You would cease to exist. So you're never really functioning independent of him. You're just delusional. But you're really not. You got to trust him to be the provider and protector. You got to trust him to be your security and your comfort. Trust in his providence in your life. We read this in our confession of faith. What is the providence of God? God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful acts of preserving and governing all of his creatures and all of their actions. So if you are his child, even if you're not his child, you're still under that providence. He has you. He's a state form guy. You're in good hands. You can trust him to faithfully govern and preserve your life. The question is, do you really? Who do you really trust? I got to tell you, living in America, it's really hard to know, am I really trusting God? Or I'm just really trusting the fact that I live in a country with a lot of privileges. And some things I really don't have to worry about. So you have to do like a reality check almost every day and every week of, where am I really placing my trust here? Mm-hmm. 
What can it look like to functionally trust God? What can it look like in our life? What is something tangible where you can leave here with and say, maybe if I'm doing this, maybe it's me trusting him. First, trusting God, it looks like confession. Confession. You have to acknowledge to him that you've been living like a functional atheist. You got to own that thing, man. You got to own it. Then second, it looks like repentance. You ask him to forgive you for not trusting him and for living as if he does not exist. Third, it looks like prayer. This is you begging the Holy Spirit to help your unbelief and asking him to help you trust God through the ups and downs of your life. You're going to have ups and downs of your life. Kids, repeat after Pastor Alex, I will have ups and downs in my life. Do not forget that. But God will always be consistent. He's with you. Fourth, it looks like surrender and dependency. Trust in God looks like surrender and dependency. We see this in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's what trusting looks like. You are going to acknowledge him before you do anything. If the Lord wills, I will do this. If the Lord will, I will go here and do that. You're putting, as my grandmother would say, God don't want to be on the back burner of your life. He want to be on that front burner. So where is God in the priorities of your life when you come to making decisions? Is he back there on that small back burner or is he on that large burner? Where is he? Trusting him means you're going to surrender and depend on him. Fifth, trusting God looks like acceptance. Acceptance. Trusting God allows you to accept your limitations as a human being. You cannot be all things to all people. You are not God in the flesh. Okay? You are not a superman. You're not a superwoman. You're not a super dad or a super mama. Okay? You're not. You have limits. Kids and the teens, you have limits. The Lord God is not going to be robbing to your Batman. Okay? He's not. You have imperfections, and that is okay. When you're trusting God, you, you don't have to pretend to be something you're not. When you trust in God, you can say to people, I love you, but, you know, that ain't really my lane, and I'm not going to do that. You can tell people no when you trust in God. When you trust in God, you, you see, as a friend, I have limits. As a student, I have limits. As a neighbor, I have limits. As a church member, I have limits. Because you're not trusting in your ability. You're trusting in God. Because you know God makes straight lines out of crooked sticks like us. Okay? So you're the crooked stick. Accept it. And know that God can still use you. And some of you need to learn to accept that. You have limitations. And it's okay. It's okay. Six, it looks like... uh, Remembering. Trusting God looks like remembering. Sometimes you have to look back at how God made a way 
out of nowhere in order to encourage yourself today. You got to remember his past provision. Remember his past protection. Remember his past faithfulness. You got to remember that. Romans 8, 23 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So you got to remember what God gave up to make you his beloved. He didn't go down to the adoption agency. He sent his son to Calvary to die a bloody death so that you can become his beloved son and daughter. You got to remember that. Because you, so when you remember that, you're like, if he did that, then I know he can help me here. How often do you remember the cross? How often do you remember the resurrection? You cannot forget that stuff. You got to remember it. Remember Jesus' life. Remember his resurrection. Remember his ascension. Remember 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for our sake, God made him who, to, who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's remembering. Every day you have to remember the gospel. Every day you have to preach the truth of the gospel to yourself. Have to. Because we forget it. You going as soon as I, as soon as you leave here today, you're gonna forget. What, what was that? What was that sermon about? It's just natural. You're gonna forget it. Fifth, trusting in God, it looks like rest. Trusting God allows you to stop. If you ever feel like you can't stop, then you're not trusting God. It allows you to stop what you're doing and to rest. Look at verse two again. It says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of ancient soul, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Notice what he calls you, beloved. Beloved sons, beloved daughters. Have you ever thought about sleep as something that God gives you? He gives it to you. That that should just blow your mind, that, that God wants you to rest. Like me resting can also be a form of worship? Could that also be a form of glorifying God? Me stopping and resting? Yes, we call that the Sabbath. Sabbath rest. It means it's okay to take a nap. It's okay to leave for the day and say, I'm going to take a nap with no guilt. It's okay to say, I'm going to get eight hours of sleep tonight. It's okay to tell your kids, tonight is my time now. Go, go over there and play by yourself. I'll need to rest. And that could be loving them at that moment. And with no guilt. No mama guilt, no daddy guilt. It's okay to have a long time. It's okay to go away and have some solitude. And it's okay to listen to your body. It will let you know when it's time to slow down. And I want each of you today to go home and take a nap. Because you're trusting God. Because I trust God. I'm going to take a nap today. I'm not going to do laundry. I'm sweating, so I got to get my handkerchief. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to get it because the sweat's coming. It's okay, saints. 
to take a break. Your trust in God to provide and protect you. Your trust in God to build and watch your life. Because you know even while you're sleeping, God is not asleep. God is not asleep. You got to think about it. He made our bodies to take. We can only go so long before we just shut down. It's created in us to, to rest and sleep. Use it. He's always on the clock. This is what Psalm 121 says from the call to worship. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Where does your help come from, saints? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You should memorize that. This is, one of my, uh, this is one of the verses I have memorized. I would go over it every day, every week. Finally, trusting God looks like work. Yep, work. Sorry, it does not lead to laziness. It looks like rest and work. Because remember, work was came before the fall. Okay? What did, God, what did God tell Adam after he created him? You need to go work that garden, son. So work is not a consequence of the fall. You not liking it, yeah, that's a consequence. <laughs> you not liking it, that's a consequence. You not wanting to do it, that's a consequence. Remember the main point, trusting in God helps believers create rhythm between rest and work. So now, what's the work that comes from trusting God? The answer is found in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. If you, have, if you can turn there real quick. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. The Apostle Paul here says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Notice, one kind of labor is in vain, and another kind is not. Knowing that in the Lord your labor is, 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 is not in vain helps you to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in his work. This means to be faithful, resilient, and consistent. Not perfect, faithful, resilient, consistent in the Lord's work. And what is the Lord's work in your life? It's wherever he has you. Wherever he has you. It's where you work, live, play, and worship. You can work for the Lord there. It's the roles he has you in. It's being salt and light to the unbelieving world. It's loving your neighbor as yourself. It's being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. It's, it's the work day that we had at, LV, at Lincoln Village Ministries on yesterday. It's using your time and talents and treasures to serve your local church. That's the work of the Lord. And also, the work that's not in vain is the work that is in the Lord. And the work that is in the Lord is done for his glory. Now I'll repeat it. The work that's not in vain is work that's in the Lord. And the work that is in the Lord is the work that's done for his glory, not yours. That's where it comes down to. For whose glory are you working? For whose glory? When you're building that house, is it for your glory or God's glory? When you're laboring, is it for God's glory or your glory? That's, that's, that's at the end of the day. That's a question you should ask yourself before you do what you do. 
is it for my glory, God's glory. When you trust in God, the work you're going to do is going to be for him. It's gonna, you're going to want to give him those flowers. You're going to want to give him that credit. You're going to want to give him that praise. First Corinthians 10, 31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that even means resting. That even means I think many of you adults are familiar with the song, The Wind Beneath My Wings. Many artists have recorded that song throughout the years. I want you to listen to some of these lyrics. It says, it might have appeared to go unnoticed, but I've got it all here in my heart. And I want you to know I know the truth. Of course I know it. I will be nothing without you. Did you ever know that you're my hero? You're everything I wish I could be. I could fly higher than an eagle. For you are the wind beneath my wings. Trusting in God is the wind beneath your rest and work. It's what keeps you going. It's what keeps you soaring in. Higher and higher and higher is you trusting him. And when you're trusting him, you're going to, your work and rest will be in rhythm. You will trust, trust in God. You will rest for his glory and you're going to work for his Lord. And that is what keeps it in rhythm in your life. Let us pray, saints. Holy Spirit, as we leave this place today, will you help us to trust the Lord more? Will you help us to acknowledge him in all of our ways and everything that we're doing and our comings and our goings? Will we acknowledge his existence? Will we thank him for his presence? Help us not to live as functional atheists, living as if our God doesn't exist. Help us to trust in the mundane. Help us to trust him in the street levels of our life. Help us to trust him in the, in the places where we truly live. And I do pray for all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Saints, will you please stand as we close our service.
you. If you are a guest joining us, thank you so much for being with us today at our worship gathering. And again, congratulations to the kids who have moved up. And please take a moment to congratulate those kids before you leave the service today. Also, we will be on vacation the next two weeks, so pray for our time away. Uh, my friend Bill Nash will be preaching next week, and Brother Marcus will be preaching on June 5th. So here's God's benediction to his beloved saints. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.